Welcome to the One City Church audio experience. My name is Jesse Dan Yusuf and I serve as the lead pastor. Our vision is to see everyone everywhere becoming one with God and our mission is to bring heaven to earth in our city as it is in heaven. Right now, we are preparing for the official launch of our church on Sunday, the 1st of October, 2023, and we are inviting you to be a part of this special move of God. For more information, you can visit our website, www.one-city.org, or follow us on social media at One City Online. Now, let's listen to the message. Listen, we are going to have an amazing time in the presence of God. Um, we started a series called Foundations. Amen. And if you're joining us for the first time, it is a series that um, I truly, truly believe that the Lord is going to use to shape this house. Shape us, shape us as children of God, shape one city church, and um, mold us into becoming all that he has called us to be and to do. Amen. So if you join us last week, I introduced the series of Foundations, and we looked at Hebrews 11 from 8 to 10 and we see this bible character called abraham and the author of hebrews is introducing him and he's talking about abraham as a man of faith amen and he's saying that abraham was a man who had a legacy of faith and he moved around in tents because the lord said called him out of his own country called him out of comfort into following the voice of god and the bible says that he moved around in tents with his sons because he was what? Looking forward to a city that has what? Foundations. Whose architect and builder is God. So the conversation last week was us asking ourselves, what are you building your life on? Amen. Or more accurately, who are you building your life on? And we realize that we cannot build on anything other than his Christ. Our lives and this church. Amen. Our lives and what? This church. Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the chief cornerstone. And Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 3 that anyone that is building on this, we've built on the foundations and the foundations we've built on is Jesus. Amen. Amen. It says all that we build on what they have built will be tested by fire. So we are continuing that conversation and today we are going to encounter Jesus. If Jesus is the true cornerstone if jesus is the chief cornerstone we're going to be continuing our conversation with encounter jesus welcome to one city church my name is jesse dan yusuf and we seek to see everyone everywhere becoming one with god we are looking forward to the official launch of our church which is on sunday the first of october 2023 glory to god amen so that's why we're doing um we've done building one city now we're doing foundations and this is going to be a series leading up to october so i told you it's a school i want you to come prepared come with open hearts i want you to come willing to learn hallelujah and one of our pillars in one city is let's say it's together one two three ah god bless you jesus at the center and jesus is also our foundation and today we're going to be talking about encountering jesus amen have you ever heard about somebody then you probably had the opportunity to befriend the person then you realize that that person is far from what you've heard about him or her and that's that sounds personal but you know, you guys know what i'm saying right many of us have relationships with rumors you have relationship with rumors of people. So you hear about a person and you formed an idea, you formed um, a belief about that person, an expectation about that person. And I feel like many of us have built a relationship with rumors of Jesus. Many Christians, I'm talking of Christians though, many believers experience Jesus through other people. Many believers experience Jesus through other people's testimony. Now, these are not inherently bad, but the mistake that we are making is this. We forget that we all have access. Amen. The pastor doesn't have a better access than you. Are you listening? Any of our fathers of the faith in the nation does not have a greater access to Jesus than you. 
So what many of us do is that we have relationship with Jesus through other people's experiences. So rather than spend time with Jesus, we experience him through worship music. Now, again, it is not bad. Eh? But when it becomes a hindrance to your own growth, is that you depend on that. You depend on, 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 on a melody to access Jesus. We experience Jesus through other people's sermons. We just play it like it is another podcast. Now, again, I'm saying that is not inherently bad. But Jesus wants to be known by you. Amen. He wants to have a one-on-one, a tete-a-tete. That's correct, right? He wants to have a one-on-one with you. Glory to God. Sermons are good. Worship music are good. But we are always chasing Jesus through other things. Meanwhile, the Lord wants you. He wants you because he is not going through someone else. Amen. He's not going through someone else. He himself is showing up and wants to be known by you. And he wants you to know him. Amen. So one of the things I will want at the end of this service is that we transition from knowing God vicariously through a personal transformative encounter, a personal transformative experience that all of us all have access to. Glory to God. Amen. I'm basically saying don't, don't build your house on borrowed testimony. Don't build your house on borrowed land. Amen. Don't build your life on something else or someone else. Testimonies are great. Worship is great. Sermons are great. But the Lord says that we all have access. Amen. Amen. So today we are going to encounter Jesus. For those of you who have been attending Forward Devotional every morning, one of the things I've been saying and praying is that I don't want people to leave here and say, oh, worship music was great. And that'll be the testimony of our church. That's beautiful, right? By the way, worship was great. But that's not all. I don't, want to, I don't want you to leave here and just say, oh, Pastor Jesse preached well. That's not all. I want people to leave here and say, I met Jesus. Amen. Amen. So if you're a member of this house, that should be your prayer. That when you're coming here, you are coming with expectation that I'm coming to meet Jesus. And that you're also, your second prayer is this, that as we gather, Jesus is present. Because that's the promise he gave. Where two or three are gathered, where? What happens? I'll be there. Amen. Not at the tent. Not only in Canaan land. Not at the dome. But where two or three are gathered. So if there are two believers in your office, Jesus is what? If there are two believers in your, in your school, Jesus is what? Amen. We must come into that consciousness. We must come into that um, recognition and recognize that Jesus is present, especially when we acknowledge him. When we don't see his presence or don't feel his presence, it's because he's not yet acknowledged. Because that was his promise. He said, where two or three are gathered, what? In my name, I'll be there. I says, lo and behold, I will be with you for how long? Till the end of time, till the end of the age. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So this church, we are building this church with Jesus as the center and Jesus as our foundation. And today we are gathering every time to encounter Jesus. We are gathering every time to do what? To encounter Jesus. Now, I I recognize that many of us have... um, a spectrum of our relationship with Jesus. There are many of us that are now deep into loving Jesus, you understand? And there are many of us that are still on the edge. We are one leg in, one leg out. We are struggling with um, this Jesus person. He sounds like a nice guy, but let's just see how far it goes, right? I was like that. I never became an atheist. You can never really be an atheist. You can, um, at, when we push any atheist, at best, you are a uh, agnostic. But I used to live like that. 
I knew God existed, but I lived as if he didn't. And I lived as if I did not want him to exist. So, and this stemmed from, you know, my own personal history growing up, seeing my mother die at five, um, having a terrible experience when my father um, remarried and um, I almost lost my father, almost lost my sister and almost lost my life. And I was like, this, whoever this person is, is a wicked God and I want no part. And about 13 years ago, I was in fellowship with one of my friends. And the next thing I know, I'm in front crying like a baby. I had met Jesus. And from July, wow, today's what? Okay, so it's like 10th July of 2010. So tomorrow is my, I don't know, my second, second born again <laughs> birthday. Anyway, but I had this experience, and since then I've been living my life for Christ. It hasn't been a smooth journey, but it has been the best journey. Amen. It has been undulating, highs and lows, but the highs are greater than the lows. Amen. And I realized many of us have actually had that experience. I don't know how many of you know the movie Ben-Hur. Um, it was remade. We don't talk about it because um, it was terrible. But the original version um, was made in the 1950s. And it was an adaptation of a novel um, by, oh my goodness, I've forgotten the author's name. But when the movie was made, it packed about eight Oscars in its time. And it's a story about a Jewish prince who lost everything and was the same age as Jesus. How many of us know what I'm talking about? Ah, old school people. You know Ben Hur? Sorry. No, sorry, 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 sorry. Don't look, look my way, look my way. I'm not. <laughs> so, so Ben Hur, Ben Hur, uh, 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 it was not a story about Jesus, but it was about a man living in Jesus' time. And the author had a very interesting experience. The story is he was sitting across a colleague who happened to be a Christian, and um, he was he had learned that the person was a Christian, and he was asking him. He now said, "You know what? You are you're a writer. Why don't you write?" about Jesus. This man said, okay, he took up the challenge. He went to Israel, did his research, and in researching for a book, became a Christian and wrote this classic book called Ben-Hur. Amen. Now, a similar experience happened to the author of The Case for Christ. There's a movie about it that came out some years ago. The man was an investigative journalist, and his wife had become a Christian, and he hated her because they were married. No, sorry, he did not hate her. He hated that she had found, you know, this faith. And she, she gave him a challenge. You are an investigative journalist, right? Why don't you investigate this faith? And he took up the challenge, and by the end of the book, he was a Christian. And Lee Strobel, the author of The Case of Christ, you know, has written several books, The Case for Miracles, The Case for Christmas, and um, several other books encouraging Christians and showing um, the proof of the faith. Amen. Amen. Now, this thing is interesting because one of the questions I'm sure many of you have had with um, agnostics or Christians is about why Jesus, if, why, why is he the only way? Do you understand? You've had conversations about why Jesus? How many of us? I've even, even questioned that. Why Jesus? I want us to, I'm setting a foundation for something. Amen? So we're going to ask some questions. And by the grace of God, the Lord is going to answer them this morning. So one of the, there are four questions, four philosophical questions every worldview has. One of the questions we all ask is, where do we come from? The second question is, what is the meaning of life? Does our life have any meaning? The third question is, uh, uh, um, what is good and what is evil? What is good and what is bad? And the fourth question is, where do we go to when we die? Now, every worldview, a worldview is the lens through which you see the world, right? So there's Christianity, there's atheism, there's Buddhism, there's Islam. You understand what I'm saying? So all these philosophies 
or religions attempt to answer all these questions. Are you with me? So naturally, so scientism will say that where we come from is we, are, we came from the Big Bang. Um, um, good and bad is as we define it. Do you understand? Um, what's the meaning of life? You define what life is. Where do we go to when we die? We go back to the dirt. Do you understand? That's a very morbid <laughs> answer for me, and it's not very encouraging. It feels like there is no hope. That's another topic for conversation that will um, will dissect how other religions and philosophies answer these questions. But for the child of God, for the children of God, where do we come from? We are told that we come from a creator, a personal creator, that we are made in his image. Amen? And as just as we're singing today, in him we breathe in him we live in him we have our being in him all that we are all things were made from him amen all things were made for him so where do we come from we come from jesus we are not random cells that just came out of nowhere amen jesus we came from a personal god and that god is jesus john 1 tells us that in the beginning was the word and the word was god with god and the word was God. Amen. He was the Logos man, and he is the one that created the earth. And in him we were all created. That's where we're coming from. Are you with me? The second question is what? What is good and what is bad? Are we not living in a world where everybody is saying, are defining different things? We're living in a postmodern world now where, my goodness, we've lost track of how many pronouns there are. We've lost track of how many genders there are. They keep coming up. The other day we saw someone who said she's a cat. She identifies as a cat. The other one says she's a wolf. Um, sometimes I laugh not because it's funny, but because it's, 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 it's sad. We are living in this world where people, there is no absolute truth. Your truth is not my truth. It's ridiculous. If, if you ask them, why then do we, did we condemn the Nazis? Why did six million people have to die? Or, or millions of people had to die during the Second World War? They'll say it was bad. Why was it bad? Why can't Hitler's truth be his truth? So for the child of God, we're not going to go into dissecting that. Now, but for the child of God, we have an absolute truth. Jesus defines what is good. Are you with me? The, the, the rabbi came to him and said, good teacher. I said, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? Because he wanted to, he was confronting the man's definition of good. Good is not necessarily a uh, 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 what we think what is right or what is wrong. And the other day I was watching an atheist, Stephen Fry, and he was, they, they asked him, what will you do when you get to um, heaven? He would ask God, how dare you? How dare you? How would there be suffering in the world? And you allow it and you permit it. Do you know one thing he said that, I was, that blew his argument away? He said it is wrong. I wanted to say, Stephen, what is wrong? No, if you don't believe in a moral creator, then what is wrong? I don't know if you guys are catching you understand. So for us in the Christian fold, let me bring it down to us believers. It is not just that Jesus doesn't just say, Jesus, Jesus elevates what good is. Amen? It's not just killing people that is wrong. He says if you hate you've killed is as good as murder please is everybody tracking me in the house amen so origin we've answered where we've come from we've answered what jesus in jesus we understand what morality is good jesus set the bar high and nobody can meet it because how many times have we lost in our hearts how many times have we hated in our hearts amen nobody can meet god's standard so he defines what is good, amen, and what is evil. Third question, what is the meaning of life? So because 
you're defining, you have your own definition of good and bad, you also define what is the meaning of life. But for the child of God, the meaning of life is that we enjoy God and we glorify him forever. Is that we glorify God and that we enjoy him forever. Amen. So your life has meaning. Amen. Your life has what? Meaning every one of us, remember weeks ago when we learned about masterpiece, that God is an author and he's writing our story. So regardless of how you came into the world, whether you're a last born that your parents told you that you came by accident, or even uh, if you were abandoned as a child, God is intentional and he's writing your story. Your life has what? Meaning. I don't care what they've told you growing up. God in his person is giving your life what? Meaning. Amen. Which leads us to the fourth question. Where do we go to where we die? Because our lives have meaning. God is telling us that in the temporal, that what we do in the temporal, that there is a transcendence, that there is an eternal life. Eternal life is not just time after time. Eternal life is outside time. It's outside the realm of physics. Are you with me? But the Lord is saying that what we do in this short time of 120 years affects the eternal. Glory to God. So in all of this, we find the answer in the person of Jesus. Where do we come from? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In him we move. In him we have our being. In him is life. Hallelujah. Amen. Good and evil. How do we find it? good and evil? Jesus, he is the good shepherd. He is the good teacher. He elevates what we know as right and wrong. Glory to God. Meaning of life. In him we have meaning. Amen. He's an author. He's writing our story. And the last question of destiny, where do we go to when we die? We know that death here on earth for the believer is a doorway into eternal life. Eternal life is getting to spend time with him. Glory to God. Amen. That's for the believer. Now, I told you, many of us are struggling with this idea of the person of Jesus. But there's no way you can read about Jesus and not have some questions. You, if you read about Jesus and you encounter Jesus, you live with four conclusions, in my opinion. The first one is that you think he's just a legend. You think he's another story. Jesus is not another story. Even some atheists have affirmed that, yes, there exists or existed a man that lived in um, Palestine, that lived in Israel, that was, was the person of Jesus. But we know that he's not just another story. He's not like, um, what are some of these stories of the, he's not like Odyssey. He's not like, um, he's not a myth. Are you with me? The first conclusion you leave with is that he's just a legend. But he's not. Second thing you, you say, okay, this person is a liar because no one comes down and just starts claiming. <laughs> Do you understand? He's a legend, liar. You think he's a lunatic. Are you with me? You think what? He's a lunatic. And the fourth thing is he's Lord. Before we get to the conclusion of these answers, when we encounter Jesus, we see three things. We see his character. Even atheists agree he was a good man. Whether they agree he existed or not, they agree he was a good man. But like I said, you cannot just encounter Jesus and leave it at Jesus was a good man. Now, even in Islam, he is he's one of the greatest prophets, but he is a prophet. We acknowledge he's a prophet here. But we know that he is more than a prophet. Michael mentioned that the encounter with Jesus, um, Jesus the, um, with Samaritan woman in John 4. She said, I know that you are a prophet. He didn't deny that. But he said, I who speak to you, I am he. He was saying that I am the one we've been waiting for. I'm the Messiah. So his character, yes, he was a good man. He was a good prophet. He was a good teacher but we cannot leave it at that because of his claims so number one we see his character he's a good person but his claims he made some claims that is hard to just live he's made claims like i am the way the truth and the life he did not say i am a way a truth and what a life which would have given room 
for other options. But he made those claims. He made the most ridiculous, pardon me, Lord Jesus, I'm giving an example. He made a, a ridiculous claim. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. What? He said, if you kill me, I will rise in three days. What? So there's something. He made audacious claims. Are you with me? So that claim of, if you kill me, I'll come back to life. Eh? The third claim, he proved it. So there are three things we confront when we meet Jesus. The first one is his character. He's, and we cannot just leave the story as Jesus was a good man. Because we have to confront his claims. And if he um, claimed to be the resurrection and the life, and that he'll rise on the third day, the third thing we must confront is his corpse. Where is his body? Amen. The reason you and I are gathered here is because Jesus Christ resurrected. Because he would have just been another good man in history. Amen. That's all he would have been. The reason we worship Jesus is because he backed up his claim. It's because what? He backed up his claim. He showed up as a good man. They did not kill him because he was a good man. He made claims that they hated and they killed him for it. But his body, where is his body? Jesus rose on the third day. Now, we've talked about the resurrection several times in this house. We've talked about different theories. If you can't remember, I encourage you to watch our Resurrection Sunday episode. It's on our YouTube. Jesus resurrected as the first fruits of the kingdom to come. Amen. He resurrected as the first fruit of what the kingdom to come because we are told that we'll be giving new bodies. Jesus did not resurrect as a ghost. Amen. Because he came back, he had the holes in his hands. Amen. He was also hungry. But he asked for bread and fish now. Abby? But his body was a different kind of body. Because he walked through walls. But it was not an apparition. It was not a ghost. Because he said, Thomas, put your fingers in my hands. Amen. So we'll be giving new bodies. Are you with me? We'll be giving what? New bodies. Jesus bodily ascended. Where is his body? Where is his corpse? That's the reason we gather. So 500 people met Jesus. That's what um, no, um, Paul was telling us in 1 Corinthians 15, was telling the church, listen, yes, we preach the resurrection. If you don't believe me, there are 500 people alive that met Jesus. Now, I don't know about you. I've said I've made this joke here before, but there is no high that will make people see, ooh, there is no high, high enough to see the most high. Woo! Jesus, sniff me down to go on TikTok, please. Amen. Listen, that was kind of corny, but <laughs> but it's true. Amen. They say he stole the bodies. Um, the disciples stole the bodies. Um, is it not guys that ran away? They do not have mind to go and attack Roman soldiers. They say Jesus did not really die. That um, the cold air on the third day woke him up. Person went and turned back. Three days ago, he will wake up, listen, roll the stone, John Wick, those Roman soldiers. Come on, guys. So the reason we gather is, we, where is his body? He bodily resurrected. Are you listening to me? So you come to this conclusion, it's either this thing is a legend. It's either Jesus was a lunatic. It's either he was a liar. Or we are confronted with what he truly claims, that I am Lord of all. And he is Lord of all. We better worship him. Amen. We better worship him. Glory to God. Now I said, I recognize many of us have a spectrum of our relationship with Jesus. But I really believe and I want you to live here transformed. The story that um, Grace read from Luke 19. We see Jesus encounter a man called Zacchaeus. And Jesus 
The Bible tells us in Luke 19.10, I've come to seek the lost. Amen. I've come to seek the lost. Do you know that because you were born in a Christian home does not make you a Christian? Every one of us must have our personal relationship with Jesus. Every one of us must have our personal relationship with Jesus. And now I don't want us because... I don't want us to, Jesus is for everybody. Amen. Jesus ate with prostitutes and tax collectors. And I want you to understand that tax collectors was not a job that was revered. Do you understand? He's not a fireist. That's what, it's Michael that said it. <laughs> Are you with me? These were people that collaborated with um, the Roman Empire to tax and extort their people. I don't know if you understand, but they did not just demand what the government was asking. They were adding their own. So that's why they were even hated more. That's why they were put in the category of he's eating with prostitutes and tax collectors. Zacchaeus, the man says, the Bible says he was what? Wealthy. When the Bible says wealthy, it means wealthy. Do you understand? You know, there's rich and there's wealth. He says he was what? Wealthy. But he had heard rumors of Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible says Jesus was passing through his city and he climbed the sycamore tree to see. Hallelujah. This is where I want to start inviting you. That taste and see that the Lord is good. Stop depending on your mother's testimony. Stop depending on your father's testimony of her relationship with Jesus. It is time for you to encounter Jesus. It is time for you to climb that sycamore tree. Zacchaeus encountered Jesus on the road there because Jesus wanted to meet him there. Zacchaeus was not there because he thought he was looking for Jesus. Jesus was passing there because he knew he was going to meet with Zacchaeus. So we think that we are the ones looking for Jesus, but Jesus all along has been the one looking for us. Hallelujah. It's time. I need everybody in this house to move from inherited faith. Are you listening? To encounter Jesus. And that will mean you drop your pride. Amen. That will mean what? You'll drop your pride. See, if you're full of yourself, you're empty. If you're full, of, you are empty. That's what the Bible says. That you are empty, you are nothing. So it is time to meet Jesus. Zacchaeus climbed the tree and Jesus, whoo, Jesus was passing and he stopped and he said, Zacchaeus, today I'll eat with you in your house. Do you know what that means? That the outcasts of society, the misfits of society, he's not just saying how far. He's not just dabbing him up and moving on. He's saying, I will dine with you. I will break bread with you. Oh, Jesus. He's saying what? Today, I will what? Eat in your house. Today, I will break bread with you. Jesus is longing to have a personal relationship with you he's not looking to just be another passerby amen he wants to what dine with you when jesus reached the spot he looked up and said to him zacchaeus come down immediately and ivy says what i must stay at your house today jesus should not be a tenant a, a, a person that is just paying rent and you're giving him um, quick notice every time. Jesus wants to move in. Hallelujah. Jesus wants to move in. Hallelujah. I must stay at your house. And I've been telling us that we are the spiritual house of God being built up for the Lord himself to dwell inside us. Amen. He says, Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. I love Jesus so much. Do you know, you're not too far gone. You're not too far gone. As far as you have breath in your lungs. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you're doing. What I care is that you make the decision before you leave this place. 
you are not too far gone. They were complaining that he wants to be the guest of a sinner. A sinner is someone who is not in right standing with God. A sinner is someone who has missed the mark, who cannot reach God's standard. Jesus says, I want to come and dwell in your house. And that is all of us. Now, some of us feel like we've gone too far. Some of us feel like we've done things that we cannot even come back from. On our way here, Eva was telling me testimonies of a pastor of a church who, by accident, he had murdered someone. He was driving and killed someone. And he was living in sin then. But today, he's pastoring the church. Like, he's living his life as an open book. He's not trying to say, I'm better than. Are you with me? Now, I don't know your stories. I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know what you've done. But I know what Jesus can do. I listen to me once, City. I don't, I don't know. There's nothing you've done that the blood of Jesus cannot wash away. Nothing. So in my personal journey, I've seen God save addicts. I, as coordinator of YWAP um, Abuja, even when I was a member, I used to see people that would come to meetings. Hi. Some of them are pastors now. I've seen people that have had multiple abortions and, are, and they are living for the glory of God now. I've seen people that were thieves, robbers, but the Lord has transformed their lives. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of all my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. You don't meet Jesus and your life doesn't change. We have a transformative encounter. You need to move from having a relationship with rumors of Jesus, with the person of Jesus. Are you listening to me? Zacchaeus said what? I'll give half, half of all my possessions. Because an encounter with Jesus changes us. Zacchaeus encountered Jesus. This is not about becoming a good person. Amen. Do you know what it means to be born again? Nicodemus said it is impossible. It is impossible, but the Lord was referring to our spirit man. Our spirit, it is impossible. It is not about becoming morally good people or ethically good people. It is about the Lord raising the dead to life. Because in our sin, we are dead. We are dead. But Jesus, hallelujah. Jesus comes and transforms us from death to life. From darkness to light. I don't care what you've done. But I want you to make a decision today to be transformed. Now, even if you're a believer and you feel like you've gone far, hallelujah, the closest, the shortest way home is to turn back. Amen. The shortest way home is to what? Come back home. Do you know why? Because from far, your father will see you and run to you. He has been waiting he has been waiting, 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 waiting. And the Lord is longing and eager to be gracious to us. See, Jesus will never turn us away. Never turn us away. Do you know, I always have this image, and I forgot I wanted to tell the creative team to do it. I always have this image of Christ the Redeemer. You know the Christ the Redeemer statue in Brazil? His arms just wide open. Welcoming us home. It's also the picture of the cross. Just arms wide open. Saying, welcome home, my son. Welcome home, my daughter. Zacchaeus, the Samaritan woman, Paul, Apostle Paul, all had a transformative experience. The apostles, the disciples of God, they did not change until they saw the resurrected savior 
they were living in cowardice. But the power of the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, came upon and they became transformed people to the point of them giving their lives for Jesus. Thomas, who we know as doubting Thomas, and some of us even mock him, Thomas gave his life to the nation of India, spreading the gospel as far as India. Amen. I want to also talk about four things that happen when we encounter Jesus, the transformative power of an encounter with Jesus. The first one is that we have eternal life. Amen. John 17 verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they what? Know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Hallelujah. Knowing is not, what Jesus is referring to here is a personal encounter. Amen. A personal knowledge and encounter with Jesus translates to what? Eternal life. And I've told you, eternal life is not time after time. It's a realm outside of time. And there are only two destinations. You're either with God or without him. A personal encounter with Jesus leads to what? Eternal life. A second encounter happens that he empowers us. Amen. He what? Empowers us. He what? Empowers us. The way we can experience Jesus, even though he's ascended and not in bodily form, is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. He told his disciples, it is good that I go. It is to your advantage because I will send another helper. Amen. Who will lead us into all truth. He will be an intercessor. He'll be the counselor. Hallelujah. He'll be the comforter. I'll send another helper, another like me. The way we experience Jesus, the way we experience the resurrection is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. He empowers us to have a relationship with him. He empowers us to what? Have a relationship with him. So he gives us his spirit so we can have a relationship with him. Glory to God. And the third thing is this. He empowers us so we can tell the world about him. Now, the, the, the Samaritan woman in John 4. This, is, this was a woman that was a misfit shunned by society. Are you listening? Some people theorize that because she had had five husbands, she was an outcast. Do you understand? Imagine moving from person to person like for a... A, a, a deeply religious state like early, you know, Palestine, Israel. Someone that was moving from husband to husband would have been some form of outcast, right? And the Bible says Jesus was sitting by the well during the day at noon. I don't know about you, but nobody goes to the well at noon. Song will fire you. You understand? I know many of you don't understand what I'm saying, but we that we grew up in the trenches. Do you understand? We, <laughs> I grew up in the trenches. I don't believe. He's, he's branding. He's branding. <laughs> okay. But she encountered Jesus, and the Bible says she ran into her village. Woo! Hallelujah. So, verse 28, it says, So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town to see the people. Verse 29, Come see the man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Let's jump to verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Many of us you have no idea the generations, cities that will be transformed when you finally surrender to Jesus. The Samaritan woman, shunned by society, the Lord used her story to draw her town to him. So evangelism, we think evangelism is just sharing tracts. It is not. It is not. It is a transformed life. Calling other people, come and see, come and see. Hallelujah. I was hungry, now I've been satisfied. I was thirsty, and I found water. Hallelujah. I was sick, now I'm healed. I was dead, 
Now I'm alive. I was lost, but now I'm found. That is your story. You're not to convert people. You're to tell people about what has gone inside of you. Amen. Two or three weeks ago, somebody invited one of my former classmates here. So we saw each other from far. You know, I'm always behind. Worship, worship. And he was just sitting where um, Princess is sitting. So we acknowledged that we've not seen each other for over 10 years. So <laughs> the Finnish lady worship now. He was looking at me. I was standing here, looking at me here. <laughs> Throughout service. Like, he was just here. He was just like... <coughs> And he saw me after, so he was like, Nerod, when you became, when you become pastor, not only Facebook, I did see. I said, my brother, so we see him. That's all we see him. Now, I'm not saying I was one bad boy and everything, but I know my heart. I, me, me, I know my heart. God changed me that I'm here, that I'm here is the grace of God. It is God that has translated my life from darkness to light. The other day, I was talking to somebody who was saying, No, me, I'm not born to be a pastor. Well, see this one? <laughs> me, I was born to. But <laughs> I'm just here because Jesus has changed my life. And I want the whole world to know everyone, everywhere. Yes. Amen. Please, you can too. Like the Samaritan woman. He empowers you to have a personal encounter, a personal testimony that will save entire cities. Amen. Amen. And lastly, let's open to John 14, 12. We, we said that Jesus gives our lives meanings. Jesus gives our lives what? Meaning. <clears throat> I don't care what you were told when you were growing up. That you will not amount to anything. Because that's what some of you have been told. That you will not amount to anything. Some people, some of you, your parents have even told you, you will not be anything outside of me. Some of you, it could be a teacher, it could be something. It could be you judging yourself. Because you're seeing other people accomplish things. And you're saying that, how can I be like that? No, in Christ, we all have a purpose. And he has plans for us. Hallelujah. He has what? We, a purpose and a plan for us. And his thoughts towards us are of good. Hallelujah. Verse 12. Verily, verily, very, very truly, I tell you, whoever what? Believes in me. In other words, who has a transformative encounter with me will what? Will do the works that I have been doing. Amen. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father. In Christ, we do exploits. Amen. Because we've encountered Jesus, we have eternal life. Amen. We have eternal life. We have empowerment by the Holy Spirit. We, have, uh, uh, we are able to evangelize to the world. And fourthly, we are able to do exploits. We are able to do great works. The Lord told Daniel, and they that know their God shall resist the devil. They shall be strong. They shall do what? Exploits. Great exploits. Hallelujah. So, because you serve an extraordinary God, you do not have an ordinary life. Yeah. Amen. We do exploit. We will do what? The works he has done. But we will do greater works. We will do what? Greater works. Greater works. Your life has meaning. We went through Masterpiece. I want to encourage you, go and, go and watch this story about Masterpiece. We did about four weeks ago or six weeks ago. From Ephesians 2.10. It says we are what? God's Masterpiece. Created where? In Christ Jesus. To do what? To do good works. To do what? Good works. So our lives will tell the story of how Christ has transformed us. This does not mean that you become a pastor. Do we need more? Yes, absolutely. But this means that whatever you do, wherever you are, God will be glorified with your life. Hallelujah. You will just be a normal admin in an office, but people will see a glow about you. And people will say, I want what you have. How is it that you're so at peace in the land and all of these are going on? And you just say, I have met Jesus. Yes. It's not because you have, they probably have more than you have. But 
you've met Jesus. You have someone greater. The creator of the universe lives on the inside of you. I've encountered Jesus. I'm going to give everybody an assignment. I want you to move from having rumored encounters. I want you to move from having momentary encounters to having daily encounters with Jesus. Now, if you've never done this here, I've been giving this assignment for the past, I don't know, seven years. I want you to carry the book of John. Amen. I want you to carry the book of John. And I want you to ask this question and to read the book of John. Who are you, Jesus? That's all you ask. 21 chapters. All you ask is what? Who are you, Jesus? Um, Ini, please remind me. Maybe I'll break it down into a devotional. Yeah, uh, maybe like 21 days or something, or 30 days, I don't know. But I want to give you an assignment. This is not something you start next week. You start today. You carry your Bible. The next thing you do is you find a quiet place. No notifications. Amen. You distance yourself and you just want to speak to Jesus so that he, he, he wants to be with you. I don't know if you understand. Read through the book of John. Stop experiencing Jesus through your pastor. Stop experiencing Jesus just through sermons or through worship music. That's beautiful. But there is more. Carry the book of John. There is other Bible you can listen to it in. That if you finish, start again. Are you with me? Play it in your car. Read the book of John. This month, in fact, that's all we are reading. What's today's date? Nice. So for the next 30 days, are you listening to me? Everybody. So if you do growth track, we revise growth track. And first day of growth track is encounter. And what we teach people in our discipleship class is this. You're not coming here to meet Pastor Jesse. You're not coming here to meet Pastor Eva. You're coming here to encounter Jesus. You're coming here to encounter Jesus. And we tell you to do three things. That you will encounter Jesus is what? Be with Jesus. Is to be like Jesus. And to do what Jesus did. Is to what? Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. And to what? Do what he did. Just start praying in the spirit. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a new day. Glory to God.